What's going on, guys? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Red and Gold Standard Podcast. My name is Zach Hernandez, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, Matt Llewellyn, and our guy, Mike Andrews of Nothing But Niners. We got a great show planned for you guys this evening. Before I toss it over to the crew, if you're watching on Twitter, head over to youtube.com slash 49ershive. Join from there so we can see and interact with your comments. We're not ignoring you on Twitter. We just can't see them the way it works. Uh, the link is scrolling across the bottom of your screen, youtube.com slash 49ers. So I've joined from there. Share your thoughts. We want to hear them. Good, bad, agree, disagree. Let's hear it. With all that said, Matt, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing pretty good, Zach. Um, it's been a pretty good week. Uh, you know, OTA's uh, mandatory camp or whatever is is underway slash finished. And it's, it's going to be fun to talk about it, man. So let's jump right into it. Exactly. Yeah, we got a lot, a lot on the table tonight. Uh, Mike, how you doing? Ready to rock and roll, man. It's been a fun week, like Matt said, and I'm here to just break it all down with you guys. That's right. I love it. Uh, as always, appreciate Mike for joining us. It's always a great show when Mike is here. Uh, so with all that being said, there's a lot that's been going around Twitter this week. And I don't know what you guys prefer to start with. There are two topics that I want to get to first. One is... I see him in Mike's background is Purdy Jimmy Garoppolo. And the other one is the 49ers being a Vegas favorite to make it back to the Super Bowl. Which one would you guys prefer to talk about first? I know which one we're going to talk about longer. <laughs> so, you know, we can, we can hit the Vegas one quick. If you guys want to get that out of the way and get to the meat and potatoes, or we can just dive right into the entree. It's up to you guys. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, let me pull it up. Just had it here, but I think I accidentally closed the window. The 49ers, I believe, are the third most likely team to make it back to the Super Bowl behind the Eagles and the Chiefs. This is per ESPN's um, FPI chances. I forget what the acronym stands for, but uh, the Eagles are number one with the 13.9%. Chiefs are number two with the 12.9%. And then the 49ers are number three with an 11.2%. Uh, Matt, I'll, I'll throw it back to you. Does this surprise you at all? Uh, no, not really. This is a pretty complete roster. Um, and I, it's really dependent upon, you know, what you're looking at um, in terms of uh, the, um, you know, which sports book you're looking at or whatever. I think Caesars has the Bengals, the Chiefs, and the 49ers at the highest at 11 and a half wins. Um, this is just, you know, Vegas is a pretty good indication of where teams should land, right? Vegas isn't Vegas because they give away money for free. They typically tend to be pretty good with uh, their predictions, although they get one or two wrong. You look everywhere in this roster, um, the 49ers are looking pretty good. The biggest question mark is that quarterback, but, uh, you know, regardless of what you think about any of the quarterbacks on the team, the fact of the matter is any one of these three is at least high level backup slash starter material from one to three, no matter how you look at it. And the team is so talented around it that they're going to win a lot of games. The NFC West, you know, you can say what you want about Seattle, but you know, they might be a tough, you know, a tough out say we split with Seattle there's no way that Arizona or Los Angeles should should beat the 49ers at any point in the season. Those two teams are racing for Caleb Williams with the number one overall pick. They're going to be horrendous. You're looking at two, three win teams on that side of the NFC West. So if you think about 
Worst case scenario, four and two, five and one in the division. It means they have to go somewhere close to 500 outside of the division to reach 10, 11 wins. That's very doable, even with, you know, worst case scenario, Sam Darnold starting a quarterback. That's a very doable scenario when you look at Christian McCaffrey, when you look at Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, that defense that has been the anchor of this 49ers team for the last couple of years. Um, and, and really, you're adding. Javon Hargrave, like this team just keeps getting better and better and better. You know, reports are that Jair Brown is doing very, very well in camp and is actually taking some first team reps, if that's to be believed. Um, So it looks like he might be a guy that can play. Again, the rich keep getting richer and the 49ers are just stacked from top to bottom. Really, without that question of quarterback, is there any doubt that the 49ers would be really the NFC favorites, considering all that the Eagles lost and the 49ers gained in the offseason? I agree with that 100%. Before I share my thoughts, Mike, I'm going to toss it to you. Does it surprise you at all? No, not at all. You know, um, I've been watching the odds since the Super Bowl ended, and the Niners were the third favorite team then. Uh, so this this is lining up with those same exact odds. Um, I think it's interesting, you know, Matt was talking about even if it's Sam Darnold, I, I would have to start – thinking that the Niners are probably the favorites because they get quarterbacks back at the end of the season. Um, <laughs> we lose all these guys the first three or four weeks, and then they end up coming back later on when the rest of the offense uh, finds its, its rhythm and everything, and now you're just plugging the quarterback in. You know, Kyle's been kind of forced into this plug-and-play system with his quarterback position, uh, and, it, and it kind of makes it, you know, they, they talk about positionless football. It's literally happening everywhere, even down to the quarterback position, which is the one spot you're not supposed to have it going that way so i completely understand why the niners are um you know favorites we're going to be a a very tough uh travel team this year um we are second or third in the league with miles traveled uh so by the time the playoffs come games are spaced out and you know we will probably have some home games in there absolutely will be the favorites we're tough to beat uh when we're over at levi's uh especially in the postseason so yeah i i think so have the Niners lost a game at Levi's in the postseason? I don't think so, right? I I can't think of one that they lost. Not, yeah, not that I can think of. No. <laughs> yeah, let's go, baby. We we going. It's our year, man. I like it. So much for the Levi's curse, right? Knocking on wood now. Don't come at me if something bad happens. Um, so my my initial shock of this actually was the Eagles leading the odds with 13.9%. I know uh, it's not that much over the Chiefs with 12.9%, but a full percentage point. And in my opinion, it's the Chiefs until somebody proves otherwise, including the 49ers. Like they are just such a force to be reckoned with when they have Patrick Mahomes at his best. I mean, even to be honest, when he's not at his best, we saw that throughout the playoffs in the Super Bowl, he was not 100% and he still went blow for blow with the Eagles. So I think my opinion, the, the Chiefs should be number one. Um, but the 49ers, go ahead. Well, here's the thing, too. Sorry with, uh, sorry to interrupt, but with your Philadelphia Eagles, um, look at the – you're looking at the – and we can throw out the Chiefs because you're right. The Chiefs are the Chiefs and until they prove it. Like, no, you know, they, they really need to be number one. But you're looking at the Eagles, and they have the Eagles really high, but that division is actually pretty good. I mean, the Cowboys were a playoff team. The Giants were a playoff team. The commanders are starting to kind of turn the corner and, you know, they have a lot going on with the whole Daniel Snyder ownership situation. But if that gets resolved, 
my argument is that the NFC East is a much tougher division than the NFC West. So I, I feel like the Eagles were historically good in a good division last year. I don't know that they're going to repeat and be as good as they were in division this year. You can knock a couple of wins off of them just by virtue of them not necessarily being able to run the table or, or be as good in that division as they were last year. Um, and, and they caught some breaks and, you know, it's easy to go from where the Eagles were the year before, not a first place team, not a playoff team, whatever, whatever. And then now you go to the Super Bowl and you have a first place schedule and you got to play the tougher teams. Let's see how they do. I think they might fall back to earth a little bit. I'm not saying that they won't make the playoffs or that they're going to be bad, but we all know Super Bowl hangover is real. They lost some really key pieces. And the fact of the matter is that everybody's going to be looking out for the Eagles now. Everybody's going to be game planning for what Jalen Hurts does. And I think that's going to affect them at least a little bit. And just like nope. Throwback says here, too, they lost their DC and their OC in the same offseason. So they have a ton to overcome on top of a tougher schedule. So we'll see how that shapes out. Um, but as far as the 49ers being ranked third, Matt, I think you hit the nail on the head when it really does just speak to how good this roster is because nobody even knows who's starting week one under center. Yeah, ESPN is still like, yeah, they're the third best, third most likely yeah. team to make the Super Bowl. It's and crazy. I think that speaks to Mike when he talked about seeing the, you know, as soon as the season ended, the 49ers were at the same spot that they are now. And that's because the one question just hasn't been answered yet. And I feel like if there was more clarity going into that, I think the 49ers would actually be, uh, you know, a little bit higher in the odds. Yeah. Um, it's that uncertainty that I think puts them in third because top to bottom, I just don't see a better overall team. Um, I, I would say out of those top three teams, they might have the third best quarterback, but overall the talent level on the 49ers is second to none. And then one more thing that's going to make the Eagles little, you know, their journey tougher. Uh, something I'm really excited about. I have seen for years, Eric Bieniemy living in the shadow of Andy Reid. He's now the offensive coordinator in Washington. I cannot wait to see, how things shape out over there. Like it's just going to be a very fun division to keep your eye on. And we all know that the NFC East gets shoved down our throats all the time. So we're, we're going to see it. We're going to see a lot of it. And uh, it's just, it's just going to be a lot of fun. I'm I, I'm not going to call them frauds. Uh, I, I saw the comment there. They, they earned it. They, they played well and, you know, they got as far as they did and they were, you know, a field goal away from, from winning that thing. So uh, they, they're a good team. Uh, the question is, can they, can they repeat? You know, can they can they get back there? And that's tough to do. Yeah, I wouldn't go that far. They're calling them frauds. That was one of the best Super Bowls since, you know, as far as I can remember in a, in a good while. Um, just really, really tip for tat, blow for blow. I pulled up FanDuel Sportsbook because, Matt, you talked about how other sportsbooks have the 49ers ranked high as well. Um, they have them tied for third. Um, you have the Chiefs with the best odds at plus 600, then the Eagles at plus 800. And then the Bills at plus 900, excuse me, tied for fourth then. So the 49ers and Bengals are both plus 1,000. So either way, the 49ers are a favorite to make the Super Bowl. And it's going to be, they're not going to sneak up on anyone this year. That's for sure. They are known as a heavyweight in the in the league. So we'll see how this shapes out. Um, are we ready to move on to the topic that I know is going to get? Okay. All right. Let's do it. Let's do it. So. Earlier in the week, my guy, Alex Rollins, who I'm a big fan of, I actually really like his content, put out a video comparing Brock Purdy to Jimmy Garoppolo and essentially saying, we saw the same exact 
you know, trying to catch fire in a, in a bottle in 2017 and the 49ers fell for it. Don't fall for it again with Brock Purdy based off of what we saw last season. With all that said, guys, what do you make of this comparison? Is Brock Purdy the next Jimmy Garoppolo? Is the comparison even valid at this point in his career? Whoever wants to go first, feel free. Mike. All right. Um, <laughs> it's it's tough to say. It's tough to say, right? When they say the next Jimmy Garoppolo, what exactly do they mean? Do they mean he came in and won his first couple of starts in a row, got everybody excited, and then he's injured? Because that comparison, you can't ignore, right? Jimmy comes in at the end of 2017, uh, wins five in a row, and then he's injured and done for a while. I mean, Brock Purdy comes in, wins eight in a row, and then he's injured. Uh, but the difference is uh, he's going to be returning healthy to start the season, and I don't think the Niners ask much of him. Now, that is probably where the real comparison comes in, right? What are they asking this guy to do? Go out there and just don't cost us games. If you can do that, then we can be successful. Um, but when you really, really think about it, the only time quarterbacks have to go above and beyond is when the system is bad. We don't have a bad system here. Uh, so it's, it's, I, I kind of think it's maybe a little unfair to say that, you know, he's Jimmy Garoppolo. I think, I think he's Brock Purdy. You know, Jimmy did some things that Brock Purdy couldn't do that quick release and things like that. And Jimmy would fit the ball in some really, really tight windows. I've yet to see Brock Purdy do things like that. However, uh, Brock Purdy uh, responded to pressure a lot better than Jimmy Garoppolo did. They're, they're not the same players. Um, you're not going to see a lot of downfield shots from either one of those guys. Um, you're you're going to see very similar. You got the stats pulled up here. You're going to see very similar plays that are successful across the middle with a lot of yak for both of those guys. Hopefully it's the same way no matter who's under center for the Niners. Uh, I think you're going to see, God forbid, Sam Darnold actually has to get in there and play. I think we're going to be saying, oh, Sam Darnold and Jimmy Garoppolo, Sam Darnold and Brock Burke. You're going to see all those comparisons because of the system that we run. I, I just don't, I don't think it's nice to say Brock is Jimmy. I mean, let's call him Jimmy 2.0 for the sake of arguing, right? Like he's, he's he does some things better than Jimmy, uh, but the question is, can he do them consistently? You know, we've seen rookie quarterbacks come in and take the league by storm, especially with Kyle Shanahan, right? You think about what he did with RG3. Um, and then RG3 wasn't quite the same guy. Now, Kyle did end up leaving him and all that, uh, but it, it remains to be seen. I, I'm not willing to say that Brock Purdy is on Jimmy Garoppolo's level yet because Jimmy did it consistently for a couple of years when healthy, and that that's always been the big caveat. So Brock's got uh, some ways to go before he can even fill the shoes of a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo, in my opinion. Matt? Yeah, I, you know, it's interesting I think a lot of this is about the title that he put on the video. I think a lot of this is, um, you know, the content that he has that Alex Rollins has is pretty good. He breaks down stuff pretty well. But at the end of the day, if you're looking at all these videos and, you know, you're breaking down, there is a level of cherry picking that goes on. And I'm sure we can find a lot of things that make Brock and Jimmy look very similar. The stats are going to look similar. But as Mike said, he seems to be a little bit more poised than Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't seem to fall into some of the panic that Jimmy Garoppolo does some of the athleticism that Jimmy didn't display or did display prior to the ACL injury, um, you know, just is apparent in, in Brock Purdy. My thing is 
he says, don't get fooled. Jimmy 2.0, whatever, whatever. But he's comparing a nine-year pro who was drafted in the second round to Mr. Irrelevant, who was a rookie last year and asked to come in mid-season with essentially no reps. And this rookie went on a run. I think a lot of us, and you know, I see Dion in the chat, um, Dion notwithstanding, but I think a lot of us, our biggest problem with Jimmy Garoppolo is the fact that he's always hurt. He's hurt now with the Raiders. He always hurt. That was the thing that the team said when they moved up. They weren't super unhappy with how Jimmy Garoppolo can play because, again, as Mike said, this is a Kyle Shanahan offense. He's going to make people look good, put them in positions to succeed. It was less about the level of player because I feel like Kyle thinks he can win with anybody. I think it was Jimmy not being available, Jimmy being hurt all the time, having to switch midseason. So that's when you transition to a new guy. If Brock and the elbow injury was kind of a freak injury, but if Brock can prove that he is not going to be Mr. Glass, you know, um, there's that meme out there, right, with Pam from the office or whatever. It's like Mr. Glass and Jimmy Garoppolo. Show me the difference in these two pictures. And then it's Pam. It was like, it's the same picture. This That's what it is, you know. Jimmy Garoppolo can sneeze and throw his back out. That's how fragile he is. So if 49ers have a guy in Brock Purdy that is not as fragile as Jimmy Garoppolo and has shown to at least be on a similar level playing-wise in his rookie season as Jimmy Garoppolo was in his ninth season, then I think the 49ers are doing just fine. This is much to do about nothing, but I think that Alex Rollins here, while the content of his video is good, he's starting to do the sensational headlines and kind of you know trying to use hyperbole to draw interest into his videos which is fine but then there's also a part of it where he's done enough of this stuff with brock birdie that i feel like he just doesn't like him um so you know and, and it's all to be taken with a grain of salt too because he said that you know he said that uh gosh i'm blanking on his name the quarterback Can um uh, who from the chargers justin herbert Justin Herbert was going to be a bust. So, you know, he said Javon Kinlaw was going to be the next uh, DeForest Buckner. So take what he says with a grain of salt because everybody, no matter how they perceive themselves to be in terms of analyzing, pro scouts get it wrong. So Alex Rollins is going to get stuff wrong too. So I just think it's kind of interesting that people just say this like it's gospel. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think that... You can lie by omission, and I think that's a little bit of what's happening here. Yes, while these stats may point to the to them looking similar, in reality they are not similar players. Also, what does that say about Jimmy Garoppolo if Mr. Irrelevant can come off of the bench in his rookie season and play at your level, if not better than you? Like that doesn't speak much to Jimmy. If anything, that speaks a lot to Brock. Um, also, I just think that we all have to remember how much were we saying this past season, this is Jimmy at a level we haven't seen before. This is a new Jimmy. This is Jimmy that's playing better than ever. And we're comparing Brock to that version of Jimmy, not the Jimmy that we saw for the past five years, which is more consistent of what we should be expecting out of him rather than this top-end premium Jimmy, which I'm just going to say it, contract on the line, Jimmy, you know, like it's different. And I I think, too, one of the comments said it, 
to compare Brock as if this is his ceiling and he will never grow further than what he is right now to Jimmy at what he likely will be always be in the NFL is disingenuous in my opinion, because it leaves no room for growth for Brock Purdy. And we all know a quarterback second year in the system is when they see the most growth. So if you want to wait another year and if we still are seeing similar numbers, fine, make the comparison, but I don't think it's fair to make it as of now. And to not even address that when you're doing these just shows the kind of slant that you're going for. Um, but like, I don't know. It, it's, it's a single factor analysis. It's too easy to look at just the stats and be like this. It's too easy to cherry pick the plays that you want. It's like looking in the newspaper for baseball stats and then watching the highlights on ESPN and say, Oh, this guy's an all-star. This guy's a gold glove. This guy is this, this guy is that you're not really getting the full context of the games. And I think that the offense for the 49ers was just a little more electric with Brock Purdy in there, just a little extra oomph. And I saw the comment in there from Jesse Naylor saying that the turnovers went up, you know, astronomically. I think if you look beyond the stats, I can tell you this just in my, uh, let's see, bring, yeah. So the defensive stat was the real shocker for me. Oh, you had it before. It's right here. Yeah, was a real shocker for me. Yes, the points per game jump, but the turnovers went up astronomically. I think Brock Purdy is better at sustaining drives than Jimmy Garoppolo was. And when you sustain drives, your defense isn't as tired. When you get out to leads, your defense does can you know be a little more opportunistic. And I think that that's part of that. So I, I, there's a lot of factors that need to go into this comparison. But to just use the pure stats and cherry picking video, I think is a little interesting, and, and it shows that kind of anti-Purdy slant. We'll see what happens. Mike, I'm curious if he's like pro Sam Darnold, though. That would be interesting. (laughs) Usually if a person is like, you know, like Grant was very anti-Jimmy Garoppolo. So you could see when Trey Lance was drafted in training camp, he was like, look at what Trey's doing. They should put him in. Usually if it's like you don't like one guy, you typically like one of the others. I'm very interested to see what Alex Rollins is kind of hanging his hat on for the 49ers. Anything to add, Mike? No, no, no honestly, I, I don't. I think um, uh, I, I, I tell you what, let me pose a question to you guys really quick. What if, if we haven't seen his ceiling, right? I'm talking about Brock Purdy. Where, where does he get, be, where does he get better? W- what is there for him to improve on? He was already efficient. Right. Uh, his yards per play was at the top of the league, you know, when they added it all up. Um, the Niners were scoring more. Now, granted, the defense was contributing to that. That was Jesse's point. What, what, what's more? I can answer what, what more can he do? I can answer. Um, in my opinion, just one of the things that first comes off my head when I think of that question is flushing out to the left of the pocket. Um, or, or not even just that, but running backwards. Just, I mean, these just are just bailing on a clean pocket. Yes, I think. exactly. I saw a play earlier. I think Rich Majid tweeted it out. Um, what had nothing to do with him bailing on a pocket, had to do with the, the defensive coverage that there's in. But George Kittle's wide open down the center of the field for a touchdown, and Purdy feels a little bit of pressure. So he immediately bails and, and runs out to the left side and ends up having to throw the ball away. His pocket awareness is not the best. And I think it worked for him when he was with the Cyclones because the athletes were not top tier athletes. He could beat them with his speed for the most part. 90% of the time, that's not going to work in the NFL. 
Yes, he may have occasional good plays where he's able to juke out a defensive lineman, but for the most part, they're fast enough to catch him now. So I would love to see him have a little bit more pocket presence, being able to step up, recognize the pressure. I mean, the play that he got injured on, that, you know, I'm not going to put that all on him, but that had a little bit to do with his pocket presence. So I, I, that's my I don't know. That, dude, Hassan Reddick got there hella quick. By the time he hit his drop, yeah. like he had made a decision to throw. That's like, you know. It was know. pretty quick. It but was pretty quick. I understand what you're saying with with the pocket awareness. So I, I can kind of agree on it. It's little things, right? It it can be subtle things. It doesn't have to be anything super fancy. Um, fact of the matter is, sometimes on these, you know, UCL injuries and the brace injury and stuff like that, you can actually get a little bit of increase in arm strength. I wouldn't worry too much about that. The accuracy is going to be there. But if Brock Purdy, through virtue of being in Kyle Shanahan's offense for a second year, getting a full training camp or, you know, whatever he's going to have in terms of like studying the playbook, looking at film. Um, and once he does get back, having some reps, I think he's going to have, if everything goes picture perfect 12 weeks and he's cleared, he'll have 20 days um, of first team reps going into the season. It looks like um, if you can speed up that decision-making by a quarter of a second, by a half a second, those things make a huge difference. And it might not be readily apparent on, you know, on a macro level, but those micro adjustments will add up over the course of the season. And you're going to see him. Maybe he goes from 67% completions to 68 and a half. Maybe he goes from 7.8 yards per attempt to eight yards per attempt or, or what have you. Right. Uh, those little things over the course of 17 games are really going to add up. And if Purdy can stay healthy for an entire season and show just a little bit of improvement, I mean, the bar for the 49ers passing yards record in a season is not unattainable for him. I think it's like 4,000 in like 32 or something by Jeff Garcia. So it's right there for the taking. And I think just those little adjustments. No, he's not going to, you know, light the world on fire like some of the people that we've seen. For example, Jalen Hurts, right? Who we thought, man, Jalen Hurts kind of scrubby, man. Like he doesn't look that good. And then last year he looked great. There, That meteoric rise is not going to be there but you don't need it to be there. Brock Purdy was good enough as is to take the 49ers to the Super Bowl had he not gotten hurt. And if you get little micro adjustments ahead of that, a, a little bit better in each area of the game that comes from being a pro for more than one year, I, I think the 49ers will be in good shape. Can can I just add to that real quick, just just to Matt's point. So you talked about his his you know chance to pass the 49ers passing uh, yards record. If we extrapolated his stats from last season which i know was not uh, enough but if we just played what if you know across 17 games he has a 68.3 percent completion rate 3706 yards 37 touchdowns and eight interceptions that's i mean for a rookie season that's like that's a great season if we got that at trey lance we'd be ecstatic so uh, Mike, let me ask you the same question. What what would you like to see, or what do you think Purdy could improve on? The, you know, it's weird. The things that you guys are naming all kind of make me nervous for the kid. If I'm being completely honest with you, right? It's trust your line. Uh, that kind of takes away the way he thinks and the way he processes. It's putting more pressure on him, right? Um, you, you know, you talked about that play where Kittle was open in the middle, but he, he kind of broke out and and things like that, uh, then it, it kind of feels like he can start trying to do too much, trying to be too perfect, you know? Um, and that's that's kind of the scary part with it all. You know, with, with trying to grow, 
you're going to change some of the things that you did the previous year uh, for better or worse. You won't know if they work out in his favor until he starts trying to do them. Uh, ideally, you know, you can say it, but what what does it change when he what what changes when he starts making those changes? Does that make any sense? You know what I mean? Like it's sure. I, I, I think it's a misconception. Like, I don't think we, we want to take away completely take away his improvisation or his ability to get out of the pocket. I just think that at this moment in time, he's a little too quick to do it. Right. And, and I think that's not you're not actively asking him. And this is one of those things that, again, I think comes with more experience. Right. You're not actively asking him to change these type of things. But I think that as he gets more comfortable, he will naturally not bail out as much because he will see things. And the game, we all hear it all the time from from rookie players, right? The game is just so much more fast at this level. It's so much faster at this level. And with experience, then, you know, inevitably comes the, oh, yeah, the game has started slowing down for me. And once the game starts slowing down for Brock Purdy, he's not necessarily going to change how he plays. But I think, like I said, that extra quarter second, that extra half second of recognition and processing that he can go through and see the read a half second faster is going to make him better. And when he does improvise like that, it's going to be all the more productive for it. I don't think that it's something you take away. I think it's enhanced by experience and, and he's more comfortable with it. That, that's kind of what I'm saying. You don't try to change the kid. At this point, he's, what, 24? Like, you know, he's got four years of college starting experience. I, I think he's close to being what he is. But, again, it's more with him, it's more about refinement than it is about complete overhaul. Trey Lance, who's like a blank canvas, Trey Lance is somebody that you can kind of try to, because he has such little experience, that he's going to be kind of more deer in the headlights anyway. So you want to teach him the good habits while he's still that moldable. I don't think Brock Purdy is the same because he's been playing the position for so long and at such a high level division one college football, like I said, for four years and then with the 49ers. So I think it's a little bit different and and that's going to be a tough ask for Brian Greasy to kind of go through and, and really navigate. But, you know, however they do it, I think that just minor adjustments to Purdy is really all he needs. Anything else you wanted to add to that, Mike, or is that? No, no. I mean, I, I kind of I was expecting you guys to say, you know, more downfield throws and things like that. But, you know, with that comes a drop in completion percentage. You know, those are, you know, harder to complete passes and also it, it'll be interesting. Uh, I, I don't think that people are fair at all when they try to put a ceiling on him now uh, because just because you just, you just don't know what it is. Um, and so I, I think we got to just step back and just take it for whatever it is. Yeah, I, I think the downfield throws will come as they are, but like, I think a lot of people kind of overhype, right, the downfield throw. It is the lowest percentage pass in football, and we see a lot of times from people who do take deep shots from the Lamar Jacksons to the Justin Herberts to the Jalen Hurts to this guy, that guy, that guy, that guy. Even on their best days, it's not exactly a – high percentage pass, right? If you're just running nine routes and throwing it down the sideline, we see a ton of those that are overthrown, that go out of bounds. Um, it's just, I, to me, it, it's something you want to have in your bag, and I feel like Purdy can do it occasionally. But the Kyle Shanahan offense isn't built on throwing dudes down the sideline. It's about creating mismatches and really working across the field. That's, that's where Kyle Shanahan's, you know, you'll see, like, perfect example the the pass against the houston texans that everybody was so excited about with trey lance that was working debo samuel working across the field and trey lance throwing to a spot that by virtue of the other routes was wide open 
And I feel like that's something that Brock Purdy does well that we haven't seen from Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, how many times do we see Jimmy Garoppolo sail a pass that was like wide open, particularly on that fullback wheel route by Kyle Juszczyk that just sails out of bounds, that just looks like shit, right? It doesn't have to be this crazy unleashed cannon down the sideline like a lot of these strong-arm quarterbacks have. I guarantee you Brock Purdy with his accuracy is going to hit that pass more times than not on Kyle Juszczyk. And you don't need it to be this bullet pass. It can just nice and easy. All you got to do is get get the yardage. So, you know, I, I think, yeah, downfield throws are nice. But in this offense, I feel like more than others, it's not as important. I pulled this up because it made me, it, it, what you guys said made me think of this. Uh, Warren Sharp tweeted this out. Deepest targets to wide receivers on early downs. And the 49ers are way down here. So it, it's just. It's a lacking part. Yeah, but of, go back up top. Where am I? Go back up to the top. New Orleans, trash. Atlanta, trash. Chicago, trash. Miami, <laughs> a good team. Washington, trash. New England, trash. Denver, trash. Las Vegas, trash. Green Bay, all right. Jets, trash. Buffalo, good. Cleveland, trash. Cincinnati, good. So you start getting into the like tens and teens, right? I mean... But look, this is, and, and by the way, for point of argument, Kansas City is 22nd. Right. Well, that's what I was going to say. First of all, what does what does early downs mean? Is, is second down considered an early down? Because it's like it's in the middle, right? It's got to be, right? Yeah. But, you know, aside from all of that, when your team is trailing, you start throwing down the field more. And so a lot of these teams that are on this list, including Miami, they started falling apart after they after we played them. Right. You, you, your team was in a deficit for most of the game, and that's why all of those teams that are up there have these high targets on early downs. You know, when you're playing with a comfortable lead, why am I coming out here throwing the ball all over the field where we're up by two scores? No, we're going to run on first and second down. We're going to try to get the third and manageable, and that's what we're going to do. So it makes a lot of sense. Um, but I think that the sweet spot where you want to be is probably somewhere between in the middle. You know, you want to be in the, in the 14 to 22 area. Like, that's kind of where you want to be. Uh, if, you, if you're on this chart, because that means you have a well-balanced offense. You know, you don't have to go downfield early and you're not forced to do it later on. So I kind I, I think that it's a it's a very misleading stat. Um, it's, a, it's a hollow stat, so to speak. So that's fair. That's fair. Um, I was trying to pull up a quote from Brian Greasy, but I can't seem to find it where he was talking about how he has no idea how to change a quarterback from who they are and to, and to turn, having them, you know, change mechanics or whatnot. I thought it was a very interesting comment coming from a quarterback's coach, but I can't find it. So now I'm thinking, am I crazy that I. Well, part of being a good quarterback's coach and this, maybe he has a very easy job, right? Well, I mean, you got to remember what we have here on the offensive side of the ball. Um, the weapons are phenomenal, right? I, I don't know if there's a more like, a more high powered offense um, when you combine the, the system, right? If greasy's job is to get the quarterbacks to simply trust the system and trust the plays, then you'll see the mass improvement in Jimmy Garoppolo. You didn't see the happy feet so much from Jimmy this year. That was the biggest difference. He looked decisive. He looked like he was ready to make a decision and, and release the ball. You also saw the same thing from Brock Purdy when he was in there, right? Make a decision and go. Um, and so if that's the case, I understand what Greasy would be saying in this quote that we can't find. Uh, I'm, I'm not here to change their throwing motion. I'm not here to change, um, you know, the way that they they think. It's it's the way they process. 
This is the play. This is what you're looking for. These are your keys. And if you just focus on that, however you throw the ball is how you throw the ball. Who was Phillip Rivers' quarterback's coach? Because his throwing motion was terrible, right? But he's looked at as one of the top five quarterbacks when he was active in the NFL, right? So it's not about the throwing motion. It's about trusting the system or or making plays when those plays are presented to you. And I think that that's what Greasy's job was here, um, not so much to change the dynamic of how, how, the, how they worked and how they operated. That's fair. Um, all right. Yeah, I agree with that too. And, you know, if you're looking at Kyle Shanahan wanting a guy that's smart and can do the things in his system that you're asking to run, I think that more so than anything is kind of why the assumption is that Brock Purdy kind of has a lead in the clubhouse right now. I think on a processing level, we've seen a lot of that from him. So Brian Greasy doing good work. And I, I think that, you know, with Purdy, again, just a little bit of improvement. You don't need the downfield throws. You just need – the one thing that I really like about Purdy, and Lance too, but Lance is a little less um, apparent with it, is just like the competitive fire, right? It, it's – I mean, right behind Mike when when Purdy made that throw and, you know, it goes for a touchdown and he's sitting there and he's just like pumped, you know? That's, that's kind of what you want to see. And on top of that, with the processing that he does have – Man, a little bit of extra, and this team's going to look really, really nice. You know, again, we just got to cross our fingers. I, I feel like if Purdy can come back, or whoever the 49ers starter is, whatever, whatever the case may be, and the team can stay healthy throughout as much as an NFL team can, this team, I mean, six is not out of the question in terms of our sixth Super Bowl. Yeah. Straight up. Yeah. I love it. I love it. All right. Next on the agenda for tonight. I wanted to pull up, we'll stick with Brock Purdy. ESPN also released a list of rising stars. Excuse me, NFLPA released a list of rising stars. And at the top for their veterans list, oh, let me change the backdrop here so you guys can actually read what I'm talking about, is none other than 49ers quarterback Brock Purdy. What do you guys make of this? Is there anything, like I know there's not much to take away from it, but just the fact that he's being considered the number one player veteran players are projecting to continue to rise isn't that interesting maybe it's just interesting to me no it it, it is interesting um i think this more has to do with like merch and stuff like that um i, I think when you look at it, it it's you know going to be memorabilia and stuff Got like it. that but that's going to be indicative of where you know people think that he's going to be if you think a guy is a flash in the pan you don't think that he's something for real then you really don't give a crap what kind of merchandise he has or anything like this. Right. Um, but with Brock Purdy, you know, the fact of the matter is that, you know, the fact that he's number one on all those lists is indicative that, you know, they, they feel like he's going to continue. And again, with merchandising and with these big businesses and things like that, they don't do this stuff without having a good insight into what can potentially happen. They're very good at their jobs. Otherwise these companies would go out of business. They wouldn't be as, um, you know, as lucrative as they are. Vegas is a Vegas cause they give money away. The NFL PA isn't just going to put a huge marketing push behind somebody that they really don't feel like, um, is going to do well for them. And let's not forget that even though it's the NFL PA in terms of it's an organization, the NFLPA represents players. And if you don't think that those reps from the NFLPA who are like, hey, who should we get behind on this marketing? 
and they're not going and talking to the players about this, you got another thing coming. Cause I guarantee you they're talking about, Hey, it, you know, when they're getting ready to ramp up on Brock Purdy merchandise, they're going to go to people and be like, Hey, is this kid for real? Like you played against him. What did you think? And so that's going to inform their decision when they make a list like this. So while not an end all be all, it is very interesting. And I think it does speak to the fact that a lot of people around the league, including in the NFLPA, think Brock Purdy's for real. That's a really good way to put it because, you know, it's not Sam Darnold on the list. It's not Trey Lance on the list. It's Brock Purdy of the quarterbacks that are, are, are top of the list. And look, it could be a lot to do, could have a lot to do with just he has a fantastic story, literally a Cinderella story, right? Mr. Irrelevant, not close to the last week. No, the actual last pick of the NFL only got a shot because two quarterbacks in front of you got hurt and you come in and lead your team to and eight straight wins, however many wins he led to before he got injured. Um, Mike, did you have any thoughts on this? Real quick, before before you before we move on, um, if Mike doesn't have anything to say, you know, talking about Cinderella's story, I guarantee you, if Brock Purdy comes back, starts with the 49ers, and they win a Super Bowl, he will get a shitty Zachary Levi life story movie about him, just like Kurt Warner did. That's funny. <laughs> I mean, look, the fact is we have the most relevant Mr. Irrelevant in the history of the sport, uh, and I think we should be grateful for it and, and just ride this wave, you know. Um, I, I, I'm I willing to bet this. By season's end, Jordan Love will sell more merch and apparel than Brock Purdy, and that is not because Jordan Love is going to be better or the Packers are going to be better. It's because Jordan Love will be declared a starter much before <laughs> Brock Purdy does, and the Packer fans are going. I think he's already been declared the starter. Right? Yeah. That, no, that's my point. You know, if the Niners just went well, out, and here's the thing the starter, too: then it would be different. You know, Green Bay. I mean, there's literally nothing else in Green Bay but the Packers. So every single human being inside of Green Bay is going to buy a Jordan Love jersey. I guarantee you that. Um, I want to share this quote, and then I want to ask you guys something. Um. This was George Kittle on the Dan Patrick show. He said, quote, you win eight games in a row. It's hard to bench that guy. Talking about, obviously, Brock Purdy, which everybody knows. And that's even what Trey Lance said, you know, that we shouldn't be taking anything away from Brock Purdy. He's earned it. There's no way that, you know, he shouldn't be the starter. And I have to basically earn it from him. Um, Mike, while Matt's gone, couldn't you make an argument for Brock Purdy to be the starter? Yeah, so I actually I did a show earlier today. Uh, it's usually one on, on my Patreon, but I actually did the whole show on the uh, Nothing But Niners YouTube channel this time. It is I play music and everything. There will not be any kind of all kind of flags are going to go off, right? Um, but uh, what I was talking about in there was some of the words that people kind of skipped over from Kyle Shanahan uh, at the uh, the the Dwight Clark uh, Legends. Uh, you know, banquet that they had. Um, he said straight up, you know, I believe in Trey Lance. I believe he could be the, the guy. Uh, I, I believe he could do all the things that we saw Brock Purdy do. But the difference is we saw one guy do it. We already know what we have in him versus what we think we have in somebody else. Um, and I concluded based off of the way he was speaking, it's going to be Brock Purdy's job. He said, unless Trey Lance can do something to show us uh, otherwise, or where he can outplay him uh, before Brock, Brock is ready to return, it'll be Brock's team. That Those were Kyle's words, not mine. 
Um, and the fact is, you know, Brock Purdy did, you know, you're going to see two different stats. You're going to see people say he went seven and one. You're going to see people say he won eight games in a row. The reason why that stat varies is because he came in early in that Miami game. A lot of people are crediting him with that win, and that's how they get that he won eight in a row. That's why George Kittle said the eight in a row. And the truth of the matter is they only give you the credit for the games you start. So that one didn't count for Brock Purdy, unfortunately. Uh, and that's why you see uh, some people in the comments I saw earlier saying that he was seven and one. They count that loss against the Eagles against him as well. But the, the point, though, is the reason why I settled on listening to Kyle's words, you know, he was saying that Lance would have to show us something that, you know, he would have to do more than what Purdy did in eight games. It's impossible because there are no games. So there's nothing he can do. Literally, there's nothing that Trey Lance can do to come out and get the starting job, to get the starting rollback from Brock Purdy right now. He can go out there and complete 100% of his passes. He can throw, you know, 400 yards in a practice, no interceptions, no turnovers, and he has done nothing to show game time stats. There's nothing that he can do. The only thing that we could possibly maybe make a competition out of is what they look like in preseason. And that's if the 49ers decide to roll Brock out there. I personally think he's going to be ready week one of preseason. I understand uh, what what the numbers uh, say and, and how far out. August 20th is, is the targeted date for his return and all that. And so you're already well into preseason and all. I get that. However, there's nothing that Trey Lance can do. With those words coming from Kyle, those are Kyle's words. There, there's nothing that Trey Lance can do. This is going to be uh, his team. And that's why you have guys like Kittle – uh, saying it, you know, over and over, like this is his team, like this is this is his team until it's not. So, and and, and that should be okay. No one should have a problem with that. And you guys know I am Mister Trey Lance. I want Trey Lance to be the guy. I want Trey Lance to be the starter. Just, right. I don't hear you making the argument though. I I hear you saying all sites are pointing to it, and Kyle saying this is what's happening, and it's very hard for Trey to take that away from him, but. In your mind, can you make the argument that Brock Purdy should legitimately be the starting quarterback week one? You can't make it. I can't. I can't. I, I said it. We had a conversation going into the postseason on your show where I said, I don't care if he wins the Super Bowl. It's still going to be it's still going to be Trey Lance's team when he returns. And my reason for saying that was pretty simple. Trey Lance was drafted here to be the guy. If the, If anybody is giving up on on Trey Lance already in that front office, heads have to roll. Some, some there has to be some sort of repercussion. There has to be. Uh, and so to lose your job because of injury, and then you are automatically like just sold on a guy after four games, after four starts. And I'm talking about Trey. This has nothing to do with Brock Purdy. I don't care if it was Steve Young coming off the bench behind him, right? To to know definitively that the guy you traded up and drafted at number three overall is not the answer after just four starts, something is wrong. The balance is off is all I'm saying. And that's why I never felt that, you know, oh, it's Brock, it's Brock Purdy's job. Now I'm just I'm just reading the tea leaves and telling you guys what, what I'm concluding now based off of what they were saying. Um, I, I think Trey Lance has more physical attributes than Brock Purdy, but that doesn't mean anything, you know? freaking guys like Jamarcus Russell had more physical attributes than Peyton Manning. That means absolutely nothing. Nobody any day of the week is going to take Jamarcus Russell over, 
over Peyton Manning. You know what I'm saying? So that doesn't mean anything in, in football. It, it doesn't mean anything. So I can't make the argument. I still think that the Niners owe it to themselves. The organization owes it to themselves. Forget me and how I personally feel. I think the Niners owe it to themselves to name Trey Lance the starter and see what he can do. Even if you put him on a short leash, give him another four starts. That way, you know what you can say? Well, we got eight starts to look at this guy. We got eight starts to look at this guy. We went through a quarter of a season. It looks like he's going to struggle. We're not going to waste this season. Let's go ahead and rally. We start slow anyway. We're a strong finishing team. Let's go out there with the guy that we know or we have more faith in. Like, I, I think, in my opinion, that should be what how the Niners handle it. But I, I just don't see it right now. I don't see it happening. Damn. All right. Uh, Matt. Yeah, remind me of the question. Give me the kiddo quote. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, well, the quote was just Sorry, Kittle guys, talking about like a symbol. So <laughs> the quote was Kittle saying that he, you know, it's hard to take the job away from somebody who won eight straight games. And I asked Mike, can you make the argument that Brock Purdy should be the starter, like unquestioned? Unquestioned, no, because there are still question marks about how his arm is going to recover from that surgery, and whether you think that Brock Purdy should be the guy, or you think like Mike that you know, the team owes it to themselves to start Trey Lance unquestioned. I don't think there are very few quarterbacks in the league where they're unquestionably the starter. And I don't know that that's Brock Purdy, but I think that Brock Purdy will be the starter if he's healthy. And that's unfortunate for Trey Lance. But at the end of the day, you know, the players will tell you, I think you could go with Trey Lance if it's readily apparent to everybody in camp that Trey Lance is better than Brock Purdy. But if it's close, based on actual game experience, I think they will go with Brock Purdy. And it's one of those things where you're just going to have to hope that the team makes the best decision possible. It's easy to say, you know, us on the outside, and, and I'm guilty of it too, where, oh, this guy's going to get a shot because of all this draft cachet and this and that and somebody's head's going to roll in the front office, this or that, that's fine. But if you try to roll Trey Lance out there when the team thinks that Brock Purdy is the better player from day one, they the 49ers don't owe Trey Lance a damn thing. They don't owe Brock Purdy a damn thing. They do owe that entire locker room as a collective to put out the best product on the field, to put out the best player on the field, whoever that is. So... I think that Kittle is going to bat because Kittle's also come out and said that Trey Lance looks way miles ahead of where he looked last year. So George Kittle is, is a positivity guy. And we talked about this too. This is media training. This is media training. What's he supposed to say? Like, Oh yeah, no, fuck Brock Purdy. No, he got hurt. Trey Lance, the first round pick. We're going to go with him. No, of course not. He's going to pump up both guys because he is at this point in his career, a what? five six year vet six year vet at this point he's one of the longest tenured 49ers on the team he's one of the longest tenured stars on the team and so his opinion and his you know his stamp of approval goes a long way that's going to come inside the locker room outside of the locker room he doesn't give a shit about y'all his job is to be a leader for the team and rally everybody around the guy that eventually is going to be the pick for the starting quarterback so I can't make a pure argument for Brock Purdy as a quarter as the starting quarterback either, unequivocally, without question, whatever, whatever. I have faith that the team is going to put the best guy forward because if not, 
you risk losing some of those other guys. And no matter what people will tell you, these are professionals. They have a finite amount of time on their career. And this whole, like, let's kick the can down the road to see what we got in the kid. That's not going to play with a lot of these guys. It, it, it would on a team in transition. Let's say like the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, right? Let's say Trey Lance was on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Baker Mayfield was sitting ahead of him. Well, by all means go with Trey Lance because you don't have to, you don't have the expectations of a Super Bowl run. And so what's, I mean, you're, you know what you're going to have or not have in Baker Mayfield. Let's see what you have in Trey Lance because the rest of the expectations aren't there. With the 49ers, the team is so good that they're in the conversation. We talked about it earlier with the odds, second, third, fourth, or whatever in each little individual sports book for highest win total in the NFL. They're expected to do great things. It's not the time to experiment. It's not the time to let's see what XYZ can do. Trey Lance is going to have an opportunity to get the bulk of playing time in camp and in preseason before Brock Purdy is going to be cleared to, to go back to full contact, full team practice, whatever, whatever. The He has that amount of time to make this a real competition. And then once Brock Purdy gets there, that's when the competition begins. If Trey Lance isn't within sniffing position and, and Brock Purdy comes back like nothing's wrong, then Brock Purdy is going to be the starter. If Trey Lance can make it a competition and shows that he's the better player and they go with Trey Lance, then he's going to be the starter. It's We just don't know yet. But I feel like the team's going to make the best decision possible because they have to. It's, it's too many expectations, too many veterans on this team, too many stars. You can't fiddle-fuck your way around the quarterback position. They're going to choose the best guy. Quick question, though. Okay. Go ahead, Mike. I know you've been wanting to ask them for a while. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Can we just put to bed that this whole we don't know how his arm is going to come back thing? Matt, you would know way better than me, but this is not an injury that causes you to lose strength in your arm. No, but motion no, in your arm. It's not going to restrain motion or anything like that. Like we have no, to stop. no, no, no. But my, but my thing is, he's at the point now where he's starting to build up. If that build up process takes um, longer than they expect, or if for whatever reason he has some sort of setback, right? Like say he's starting to heat it up, he's starting to do more and he feels discomfort or there's inflammation or there's this or there's that there's always that potential for it. I'm not saying that that's going to happen. It's a pretty straightforward surgery, but I would say that we need to be cautious because I think a lot of people forget it took Brock Purdy a long time to be able to even have this surgery because of how much inflammation that he had in that elbow. I mean, you know, maybe another person would have been able to have that surgery two weeks sooner. We don't know how he heals what the exact procedure was, what the exact injury was, and everybody heals differently. So, well, I think long-term, he's going to come back and be just fine. I'm I'm thinking more like going into the season where we get into like August, right, What like we were talking about, and they're like, oh, um, yeah, like Brock Purdy needs another couple weeks, or Brock Purdy's going to start the season on the pup list. And then by virtue of default, Trey Lance gets the starting job. That makes it infinitely harder for you to insert Brock Purdy when he comes back in. And I've said this before. it's It has to be a Mahomes or a Rodgers or a Herbert or a Burrow-type situation where if you get injured, you get your job the second that you're healthy enough to go because you're that much better than, than everybody else. And I just, for as much as Brock Purdy has done, I don't think that he is that much better than Trey Lance or Sam Darnold at this point because we don't know enough to say unequivocally, you you get your starting job back, no questions asked, wash our hands of it, nothing, nothing, right? So I, I think that the, the only question is the timeline on which 
Brock Purdy comes back. Not if he will come back, but the amount of time it takes him because he could take longer or maybe shorter. Maybe he ramps up and he's ready to go early. We don't know, but I always hedge on the side of, of taking longer to let somebody come back from injury so that you're 100% sure he's healed rather than trying to rush somebody back for the sake of doing it, and then you cause more problems down the line. Okay, my question is, is there even anything Trey Lance can do in practice and preseason if Kyle is basically saying if he's healthy, we're going to go with him unless – Trey Lance blows us away, but what can be done to blow somebody away enough to win the starting gig in practice and preseason? Is there anything you have to, you have to, I do think there's something you have to be slight. I would say for in Trey Lance's case, because physically, right. From a size perspective, from a speed perspective, from an arm strength perspective in those aspects of it, he's, he's leagues ahead of Brock Purdy, Right. Brock Purdy's six feet tall on a good day, depending on what 7-Eleven he walks into, right? Um, he, he has a, an okay arm, right? Like an app, you would say like a very average arm. And then he has like short area quickness, but not really speed speed, right? Whereas Trey Lance is six foot four and Trey Lance has a very strong arm and Trey Lance might not have the short area speed, but if you get him in the open field, you know, he's going to run fast, right? Those are things that he does better. So you have to take your strengths and have them there, those attributes, and then you have to be that much better than Brock Purdy at what he does, and you have to show that in camp. You have to be more accurate. You have to have, show a, a little bit better command of the offense. If he does that stuff, then there's no question. You have to start him because the physical gifts will just kind of push that over the top. Now, if it's like he's slightly behind, but he has all these physical gifts, then that makes that, and I think that that's kind of maybe what plays out that he shows a lot of improvement, but he might just be slightly behind Brock Purdy on, you know, processing or accuracy or whatever, um, that, that that will be the death knell to him trying to win a starting position. He has to show that at Brock Purdy's game, he can beat him at that game. And then, oh, look, I'm bigger, stronger, faster too. Okay. I think it'll be very, very hard for Trey Lance to take the starting spot in preseason in practice, but it's not impossible. It's just Brock Purdy has a big, I want to say he has a big head start, but then again, his injury, it doesn't quite bring them back to, to level playing field, but it makes it close. Um, it, it really does make it close. Um, we Mike, have to remember ahead. something also with practice, right? Forget the preseason games for one second, just, just specifically about practice. They're trying different things, including other weapons, other receivers, right? That chemistry and all that shit is going to be gone. Uh, and they're, they're, they're trying, you know, the fifth, sixth, and seventh, and eighth wide receivers on the depth chart and the, the fourth and fifth tight ends and all that stuff. They're, they're rotating offensive lines. It's not like they're saying, all right, we're going to run these same exact 10 plays uh, with Brock that we're going to run with uh, Trey, and we're going to use the same exact personnel, and we're going to evaluate them off of that. It, it's, it's not that. It's not that I don't see how you can evaluate it in practice. I, I just I don't I, I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm glad it's not my job. I just don't see it. I don't know. Matt missed this when he was gone. Uh, I said, you know, Trey Lance can go out there and be 100 percent completion percentage. He can have a practice session where he throws for 400 yards. No, no turnovers and everything looks great. He hasn't done what Brock has done on the field. So if you're looking for him to show you something that Brock did or didn't do, 
you can only measure it on the field. I'm sorry, but that's it. How many times did you guys hear people say Kaepernick or Jimmy weren't good practice quarterbacks, but when it was game time, they were okay. They were clutch. They were good, right? There are people who are worse in practice and better on, on game day and vice versa. And vice versa. You know, we, we heard about Nick Mullins and how efficient he was in practice all the time. We heard about him knowing the playbook better than anybody else on the roster and all that. That doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. If you can't do it when it counts, it doesn't matter. It's, it's not going to make it. I, I just don't see. I, it's it's a very uphill battle. And I'm, I'm by the way, I'm not feeling bad for anybody involved in the situation. Like you're there because of how the chips fell, you know, but it is what it is. I just don't see. I, I have no idea what he could do at this point right now. I I would caution, yes, there's a lot of times where offense is vanilla or you're doing install or you're trying to see what this wide receiver can do. But at the end of the day, dumb shit is dumb shit. And if you're making really good decisions and it's readily apparent that any mistakes are not your mistakes or the other guy's mistakes, you're in the right situation with the ball. You're, you know, not making mistakes with where your reads are or you're doing this and this and that. Those things are readily apparent to coaches, and they kind of take that stuff into account. If Trey Lance is making all the good decisions, and for whatever reason, Brock Purdy, you know, comes back and is all of a sudden running face first into walls for no reason, then they're going to know and that that's going to be taken into account. And I think that while health is going to be the biggest factor, don't underestimate if there is an avenue, it would be regression from Purdy and advancement from Lance that would make a difference. But I do agree that, you know, I'm and I'm a lot of this is just devil's advocate for me because I'd love to see Trey Lance get a shot because the, the unknown is something that I'm really interested in. I think that I think that it's the team is gonna know. So whoever's gonna be the best is gonna be the best. I'd love to see Trey Lance get the starting job, but I think it's just highly unlikely given the circumstances, again, given, like Mike said, the regular season cachet, the playoff cachet that Brock Purdy has, I think it's going to be really, really hard for Trey Lance to come from behind in camp. And he really is behind. Um, and, you know, Niner Sickness up above said, you know, I'll put up the comment. He said, if Sam Darnold beats out Trey Lance, Twitter will be on a suicidal watch with all the Niner fans that will be going crazy. Listen, we discount that, but there is a scenario here where, you know, even though we really like Lance and we want to see what Lance has that in the building, they see that, no, Lance just isn't it. And if Sam Darnold beats out Trey Lance, then, you know, you got you to gotta maintain that possibility too, as unfortunate as it is. There's just too many unknowns right now. So I, I think that Trey Lance, either way, is fighting an uphill battle. I think he knows that. And he's saying all the right things. But I think that in his heart of hearts, he understands that he's kind of, He's kind of coming from behind at this point. Unfortunately, um, man, can, I mean, honestly, can any of you think of any type of first rounder, let alone a first rounder who was traded up for with the amount of picks that they spent to get him? And this is what's played out. This is how it's played out. I don't want to say it's a massive blunder by the 49ers end, but because it was out of their control, but I have seen a good amount of people mad at how the 49ers have handled his situation um and i don't i see both sides you know what i mean like i don't really blame them for how it's played out because you couldn't put him in there year one and start and then he get in he gets injured in year two and now brock purdy kind of comes up 
their hands are weirdly tied. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that, but I, I just think it's weird, a weird situation for, for all parties involved. I think they've handled the quarterback situation phenomenally, if, if I'm being completely honest and transparent. I think that uh, they have found a way to make all the quarterbacks in the roster feel confident that they have a shot. They have a way to make them all feel like the pressure is on them to go out there and take the job. Um, and so it, it's as far as the words that they have said, it's about as even as you can possibly hope to make it at this at this juncture. You 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 haven't named anyone a starter. You drafted Trey Lance high. You drafted this guy low. But the guy that you drafted low performed way up here. The guy that you drafted up here, I can't say anything about his performance, but the number of snaps and the, how much he's played is way down here. Uh, it's it's all balanced. And you go out and get a veteran with all the ability who's kind of like a a, a mixture of the two quarterbacks that you're debating between. Uh, you know what I'm saying? So he's got the bad decision-making and he's got all that, but he's got the physical gifts of one guy. Um, you know, it, it's it's kind of like the perfect storm. The Niners are kind of going out there and and really doing it the right way as far as how they've handled the quarterback position. Well, the only thing that's left for them to do is, is come out and name a starter. And there's no need, there's no rush to do it. You, you don't gain a competitive advantage by doing that right now. I think they've handled it really well. It, it's It's a tough situation that they're in. Like you said, their hands are tied, but they they've handled as well as they could right now. Yeah, yeah. I don't disagree with that at all. Um, I think fans just just want to hate. <laughs> uh, cinnamon kiss. Jack Hammer and Haberman said Sam is not outplaying Trey. Yeah, I'm not that shocked to hear that. Yeah, I again, I just I'm playing devil's advocate just in in an effort to kind of bring up all scenarios um i think that you know mike the team has done a great job right but this is trey lance's pick and the way it's going gives me very much like jake locker christian ponder vibes from the 2011 draft where it just it just it's not seeming to come together i think a lot of people forgot you know a lot of times these first round quarterbacks if they don't work out they hang around the league as like a backup or whatever um Jake Locker retired after his rookie contract four years. He retired because he was injured. He wasn't getting his opportunities, this and this and that. Um, you know, Christian Ponder was out of the league after like six years, right? Like started a couple years. Um, I know that there was that battle in Minnesota between him and Joe Webb for a couple years, right? Where it's like, he's just not getting it done. Um, he came here at one point be, What's that? So he came to the 49ers at one point too. Yeah, yeah, Christian Ponder. Yeah, he was like back Kaepernick, right? for Kaepernick. Yeah, because Ka and Kaepernick was in that 2011 draft, by the way. Um, it seemed to be that they're outside of Cam Newton, who was the number one pick. Um, there was more success in the second round with Colin Kaepernick and Andy Dalton than there was in that first round. So um, interesting to see. But they're going to be busts no matter what, right? Like I, I think it's pretty safe to say at this point that Zach Wilson probably a bust, right? Um, jury is still out on. Justin Fields, but I'm leaning towards bust because if he doesn't progress as a thrower, what are you left with? You know, as it stands right now, Justin Fields is a poor man's Michael Vick, not like Michael Vick 2.0, which if you want the game to advance, you should be seeing these things improve. Justin Fields as a, a pure thrower is kind of bad. He's not good. I think he had like 2,200 passing yards last year. 
What shocks me is seeing all of these rankings, having him at the top of the list for quarterback rankings. And it's like, if you want to say he's an elite runner, that's why. Yeah, that's fine. And I I don't disagree with that at all. But that's not quarterback rankings. I mean, transitioning to running back, if that's the case. I saw I saw some lists out there. I forget who who had him like second or third ranked in the NFC for for quarterback. Oh, yeah, that rankings. Got, I, I don't remember. I was that Adam Rank? Was that our boy Adam Rank? It could have been. Yeah, yeah. Mike, Jeff's on dad. You know why people aren't going to tap out on Justin Fields right now? Jalen Hurts. Everything you guys are saying about Justin Fields is what people were saying about Jalen Hurts two years ago, and even when last season started. Then all of a sudden, look at what happens. Right? I mean, it's it's. It's a crapshoot, man. Opportunity and and growth. You know, you, you can't you can't cap his growth. You can't say that he's a, a finished product. Um, he's got the physical tools again. You know, and now it's about it all coming together. And and Jalen Hurts is a is a big big reason why people aren't going to give up on on Justin Fields yet. That that that's what it is. He he can do all of the things that Hurts did. It's a good point. That's a really good point, but. Sure. Th- this season is going to be a key season for that, though, because if he doesn't if he doesn't do it this year, then I mean, you're talking about, you know, Hertz did it in year three. That was Hertz year three. So if Fields doesn't do it year three, then it might be something that's just that's, ju- ju- you know, that's Justin Fields at that point. Um, it's my critique of Lamar Jackson, who. I will say it's infinitely more refined than Justin Fields at this point in his career. But since his MVP year, can I say that Lamar Jackson has gotten that much better as a passer? No, I can't. And as he transitions to age 27, 28, 29, whatever the case, and he's had, you know, the PCL injury that kept him out. Um, pretty sure he missed the playoff, the playoff game last year, right? Yep. Tyler Hunley, I think, played it. Tyler Huntley played that playoff game. That's a different topic. That's something that I'm just like, all right, I, Lamar Jackson made a business decision, and that's cool, but at the end of the day, if I was everybody in that room, this just me personally. If I was on a team trying to win a Super Bowl and my quarterback made a business decision like that, I don't know that I would be super happy. On one hand, I understand, get your money, whatever, but at the second, on, on the other hand, it's like, you not coming back kind of wasted a postseason for me, right? Like, so there's going to be some drama there. I'm, I'm just saying watch out for that. But, you know, every draft class has a good, like a really, really good quarterback usually. And for this class that Trey Lance was in, it's looking like it's going to be Trevor Lawrence, which we all thought, right? He's clearly the best out of all the quarterbacks. Trevor Lawrence is just miles ahead of everybody else. Mike, you say that, bro, but his team went to the playoffs and they won a playoff game. Any other any other rookie quarterback do that? Or any other quarterback from that draft class do that? No. Nobody else done that. So I, he's he's far away. And you just see it, too. Like, you see the improvement. Um, yeah, he had a rough – and here's the thing. Here's what got me on, on Trevor Lawrence, for real, for real. He threw four picks in that first half against the Chargers and still led them back and won that game. That's that's grit, right? Like he might not be like the most boisterous person or whatever. He's not the most flashy. Do get stuff done, and he looks pretty good. And also, he's Gumby because I saw in one game his knee get like absolutely like twisted around in a pretzel, and he was just like, "No, nah, I'm back. I'm good." Like at halftime, he was like, "No, I'm good. I'm good." But you know, we all thought coming out of college that Trevor Lawrence was the number one. He right now is ranked number one in that class. 
Mac Jones is what we thought he was, what I thought he was, super capped. Like his his ceiling is really low. You know, it's like one of them tiny homes where you walk in and you're ducking under the roof or whatever. <laughs> like that's how low his ceiling is. Justin Fields needs to get a lot better, right? Um, not a passer, has potential still to be not a franchise quarterback and be a bust. Trey Lance is the only unknown. Zach Wilson, to me, is a bust. I don't think you can recover from everything that he went through from the uh you know you know the bad play to the you know apparently allegedly hooking up with his mom's friend losing um, the locker room yeah and then the you know the worst of it was when he was asked hey did you feel like the offense not scoring any points like affected your team and he was like no yeah. that was no accountability that was even worse no maturity the question was even worse than that it was like do you feel like like your play or whatever and he was like nah. right yeah and it's it's kind of what you were talking about last week with the Debo Samuel being like, this is about me, 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 right? It, it, oh, my stats. Oh, I don't want to put that out on tape. But even worse is that Zach Wilson was like, yeah, I played like shit, but that didn't affect the team. I don't care. You know, it, at least Debo to a man was like, hey, my play, I don't want to put anything like that out, right? Zach Wilson was like, I didn't do anything wrong. You just reminded me, I owe Debo a huge apology. I came in here and blasted him on Dude, your you last buried him. You, you busted out the golden shovel and you buried him. Yeah. So listen, I got to dig him back up because. All right. All right. I, all right put Mike on the screen. Let him, let him quit. <laughs> the apology has got to be as loud as the accusation, right? I, I can't, I don't have the passion for the apology, but I was dead wrong in what I said. Uh, I went back, everything I said, those words were true, but I went back and listened to all the other player interviews from that same day and they literally asked each player about their personal performances that season so it was supposed to be i i me me so i was way wrong in everything that i said about devo samuel so tyshawn i apologize my bad i i said it on twitter i told him you you deserve to block me after that one like it's fine if you want to block me i, I don't care but it's I, I was way wrong way out of line Took everything out of context, and I hate when people do that, uh, except if you're trying to take things out of context, and that's not what I was trying to do. So that was a misunderstanding. I was I was way wrong. I apologize, and it won't happen again. Is it possible the uh, alcohol had a little bit of the influence on that rant? Who Mike? knows? Who know? I mean, I felt that way before. The alcohol just helped it with the delivery. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. A hey, respect because a lot of people would have doubled down and been like, I said what I said. Yeah, I, I said that, it, but I, yeah, I, it was, it was that, that's what we love on this show. Like, whether it's you, whether it's me, whether it's Zach, we're all wrong at times, you know what I mean? Like, and, and rather than just buckling in and, and saying, like, Oh, I said what I said, like, whatever, I don't care, or pretending like you weren't wrong, I mean, I, I respect the fact that we can all sit here and admit that we were wrong. And, and to be honest, it was like, almost immediately if i remember correctly it was the next morning that i saw you tweeted out an apology so as soon as you realized it you did apologize so look at Terradome coming at you hot <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't have a lot of retractions don't do that don't do that i stand by a lot of what i say um but that one i was i was off i was off yeah all right, um, I have one final question for you guys tonight, and then we're going to wrap up. And that question is, 
if you had to pick an unexpected player to predict to become the 49ers MVP for 2023-2024, who would you pick? Whoever Cold wants to do it. Wow, really? I was not expecting Yeah, that. because if they're confident enough that they're not going to go out and sign a veteran and they let Mike McGlinchey walk, they ha- they obviously have some level of confidence in him that I personally don't have that maybe Mike has because um, he's always said that they had somebody in the building. But if he comes out and, and does what the team obviously thinks he can do, then he would be the MVP, right? Like, like guarding... The quarterback. Uh, we know Trent Williams is a dog. We know Trent Williams is going to do Trent Williams. We don't got to worry about that side. My worry is on the right side of that offensive line. And if he plays to a level that exceeds what Mike McGlinchey was able to do on the salary that he's making, on the pressure that he's going to be under replacing a first-round pick in Mike McGlinchey, who just got paid to go to Denver, that's MVP-level shit right there. And, and if you can keep our quarterback healthy, which has been the biggest problem of this team, that's MVP stuff right there. So my answer is Colt McKivitz. Damn. Mike? That is a solid pick right there. Um, I'm going to go on the opposite line, and I'm going to go with Eric Armstead. I think uh, Eric Armstead is in a position right now. Uh, I think I think Nick Bosa and uh, Hargraves are going to open a lot of things up for him. I expect some steps forward from uh, whoever's on the other edge, whether it be Drake Jackson or someone else coming in. But um, I expect Eric Armstead to be the the real star of that defensive line. Um, and he, you're never going to outshine a pass rusher, right? Like, I get that. You're not going to outshine a Nick Bosa. But if Eric Armstead comes in here and finishes the season with 12, 13, 14 sacks, uh, and he is just a, a phenomenal run stuffer, uh, I absolutely think that he he's going to be in the talks for team MVP uh, because he's asked to do a lot. He is he's kind of the linchpin on that defensive line as is. So uh, and he is the longest tenured 49er now that Jimmy Ward is gone. So, uh, yeah, he he is the savvy vet in the building. And if he can have a bounce back season, uh, not even bounce back. He wasn't terrible last year. But if you can have a more productive season in, in the stats people are going to start talking about him again. They're going to say, this is why we kept him. I will say that in Eric Armstead's case, and I've I've been a little bit down on Eric Armstead at times, I think that his biggest contribution to the team doesn't necessarily show up in the, in the stat line. He's just a big dude that takes up a lot of bodies, and I think Javon Hargrave is going to eat because Eric Armstead is just so big. And Nick Bosa is going to command so much attention, right? Like those two guys, when they played next to each other, were, I mean, they were going off. And I think that Eric Armstead is a big part of why Nick Bosa was the defensive player of the year. Um, I, th- I think when you're just the guy, I mean, listen, I love Miles Garrett, but there's, you know, there's some other stuff on that line, but it's not like what we got. And Miles Garrett can get double and triple team, and they just run away from him. And I've seen Miles Garrett get taken out of games. I, I don't see that as much with Nick Bosa because Eric Armstead's there because, you know, you have another guy on the defensive line that can pick up that slack. So I like that pick too. And, you know, when the 49ers gave out their, you know, their awards at the end of the season amongst themselves, this is going back a ways, but, you know, we had that season where 
Um, Alden Smith and Ahmad Brooks were going crazy on that defensive line, but Justin Smith was the team's MVP. I, I'm imagining it to be something like that along, not saying that he's going to have a Justin Smith type year because Smith never really put up those kind of sack numbers, but he was clearly the bread and butter that made it all work on that defensive line. And I'm hoping and expecting something like that. That's a good one. Uh, we have a super chat here that I'm going to read before I get to my answer from our guy, Sean. You think they have a plan for this build? Perhaps the timeline was last year for Trey to develop the, in the plan. Then Purdy does what Lance would have never done, rip off eight. Now Purdy fits Lance's original timeline and is ahead. It's very possible, man. I think they were asking a ton of Trey Lance from day one to come in and look, we just gave up the farm to get you, but you have to understand we're not, we don't really need you right now. So you just sit and, and look pretty there for this year, but next year we're going to need you. And then next year it's like, it's like trying to, what's, what's that where it's like a run uh, where you got to pick, get the baton from the guy behind you, a relay. It's like a relay, oh, a relay right? Yeah, a relay rest. The 49ers are coming down the track sprinting and Trey Lance has to grab that relay as quickly as he can and join the team and, and go full speed. And he tripped and broke his ankle as soon as he got that relay. And the guy that came in after him is finishing the lap. So it, it's really, really interesting. And I really don't know what it what it comes to with the timelines, but I don't know, man. It, it's a tough situation. I don't know if you guys have anything to add for this question in the Super Chat. I think it's just a simple case of path of least resistance. I think that there's something to the fact that he said that Purdy's fitting Lance's original timeline and looks to be ahead a little bit. It's going to be path of least resistance, the one that you have to put the least amount of work in to slot into this team, which is Super Bowl ready in a vacuum outside of the quarterback position. Whoever's going to give the team the best chance to win with the least amount of headaches, that's who they're going to go with. And I think they do have a plan in the way that the front office and the coaches and and you know some of the players are, are making it about. I think that the plan is Purdy 1A, Trey Lance 1B if Purdy's not ready to go. And I, I think that's kind of where it sits at this point, to be honest. I agree with that. Um, all right. So my – thank you for the super chat, by the way. Really appreciate it, Sean. Uh, my unsung hero, unexpected MVP, whatever you want to call it. And I saw somebody say it in the chat, so I didn't pull it up. But I'm going to go with Diamador Lenore, right? I think Lenore is going to have a lot on his plate this season. Um, we just got, um, gosh, I'm drawing a plank on his name right now, but the new DC from Carolina, um, who is a defensive back coach. Wilkes. Thank you. Yes, Steve Wilkes. Um, and I think that he is going to benefit greatly from that. And the 49ers were at their best when they had uh, Mooney Ward and Manuel Mosley out there, CB1, CB2. Unfortunately, Mosley went down in, I think, week four when we were in Carolina. And ever since then, it was kind of a tough ask for any of the quarter, cornerback twos to take up the task. But I think Diamond Illinois is going to be up for it after this offseason. And I think he's going to be the unsung, unexpected MVP, whatever you want to call it. Um, anything you guys want to add before we wrap things up here? No, I think we're set, man. We're gonna okay. Get into, uh, we're gonna get into camp coming up pretty pretty soon. Uh, end of end of this month, right? Beginning of next month. That's right. Can't wait, man. It's been a hell heck of a long time without football, but we're rounding that corner. We are almost there. We are 
Did you stop yourself from saying away. hell to say heck when I've said fuck like five five no, times? No, I, I did it actually. Well, okay. Oh, it sounded like it, yeah. But it sounded like it. I do have a question for you guys. Please shoot. Did you guys see George Kittle's chubby commercial? Is that the one where he was like yeah. naked? The one where he's like naked? Yeah, you guys didn't talk about that at all? I brought it up in the group chat, but yeah, we didn't talk about it. We just kind of laughed at it. All right, that's cool. I just, I, 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 I don't know. What are your yeah, thoughts on it, Mike? Oh, I, I did a whole show on it already. It's, it's fine. I did it earlier today. Uh, I had. You guys remember that D'Angelo song? Uh, it was called Untitled, and then they ended up having to call it How Does It Feel. It is, yes. came out yes. in like the late '90s. He was butt ass naked in the video. Yeah. I, as I was discussing George Kittle, I had that playing in the background of the show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I just, I don't know. I thought, I thought it was a uh, funny. Um, weird, <laughs> funny, but you know, hey, it is what it is. Here's That's the thing funny. I'll say I think it's fun that football players are starting to get advertisements because for so long it's like we don't really know who the guy is buying the helmet. Like, you know, we see the helmet, but we can't really see the face or whatever. So, like, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that a lot of these football players are starting to get opportunities to be in ads and stuff like that. And you can thank some of the guys like Tom Brady and Peyton Manning who really like kind of pioneered that stuff. Peyton Manning was really, really, really good in a lot of those um, ESPN commercials with him and his brother and his dad. You know, those were like classic ESPN, like funny kind of things. This is Sports Center ads or whatever. And it just shows a different side to football players. And the fact of the matter is that getting more 49ers in ads is going to be something positive going forward. 100%. Um, I want to add with, or excuse me, I want to end with one thing, and that is Kiana Martin tweeting out, fun fact, every organization I've worked for has gone on to win a championship once I've left. That means someone's next, and that someone is the 49ers. So, um, hey, it's our time. We got we to gotta keep it up to keep the tradition alive. And shout out to Kiana Martin because it's really cool seeing her do big things with the MLB now. It's, it's, it's awesome. Um, love seeing it for all these reporters that we're intertwined with, but especially former 49ers reporters. Um, anything else you guys want to add before we wrap up? Mike, I see you got a little laugh on your face over there. You guys I didn't know if I wanted to do it on air or not, but I'm here now. Is that Ryu and Vegeta behind you, Matt? Yeah. Dope. Okay. Who's the little one next well, to Vegeta? Oh, I went through this earlier, so I'm like a big Street Fighter player. I go to Evo and shit like that. So I got my old oh stick my right God. here, but I had to get the new hotness for the new game, Street Fighter Six, out. So I had to get oh my god, the brand new bad boy. <laughs> Run sets with me online and get body fucking scrubs. Absolutely <laughs> love it. I love it. All right, yeah. and I actually, about. I'm I'm going. I'm getting a cheat box. Sorry guys, I'm getting a cheat box. What is that? So, Oh, so it's called a hitbox. It's a leverless controller. So you see the joystick here? Like yeah. you have different directions, but it takes time, right? It's not accurate. So what the hitbox does is it makes the direction, the four directions, it makes them buttons like this. Oh, And it's okay. supposed to be more accurate. So it lays them out like this with a big thumb button right here. Actually makes it more accurate to get your stuff. So, Holy smokes. Anyway. Hey guys, yeah. real quick. This is something we normally do on the Nothing But Niners Patreon show, but I haven't actually done that in about two months. Don't kill me, Mike. Uh, but I just saw the, the the chat pack here, and I think we should.
pull one out and let our personality show a little bit for the audience. So I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna pull a random card and let's see what the question is. This is not football oh, related in the least. This is something this Mike and I normally do on Patreon to end it. So let's do Damn, it. I need to do the Patreon. Holy shit. You do, man. You do. You do. I, my right. bad. We were supposed to try to do one on Sunday. Hopefully it's not heavy. It'll be like, all right, when you die, what do you want people to remember you by? <laughs> hey, you know what? Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Okay, oh, what are the chances this one has to do with sports? If you could have been there to witness any specific moment in sports history, what moment would you choose? That's tough. There's so many. Do you want to go, Mike? So a part of me wants to say, like, there's, there's this cheesy answer, right? Like, it's right there next to Zach the Catch, right? Um, but... I, w- I wasn't even alive then, right? So, but I know, all right, so let me, I'm going to say the catch, but I'm going to like tie it with another one. Uh, the catch three with Vernon Davis, because I remember watching it live and how I felt. I wish I was in the stands for that. I had just drove, I think like 14 or 18 hours to my brother's house in Tennessee, straight through. I'm first time in my life having five-hour energy drinks, Red Bulls, Monsters. Like, I'm doing the whole drive. My mom was with me. She said that she was going to drive. <clears throat> when I started getting tired, we had, like, five hours left. I'm like, Mom, you want to drive now? Like, I'm, I'm beat. She's like, no, I'm tired still. And I didn't want to pull over because I knew the game was coming on. I needed to get there. I needed to get a nap in, and I wanted to watch the game that day. And um, I met my brother's wife for the first time at the time. Um, he was in the military, he was back from Afghanistan and all that stuff. So we drove all the way out there, uh, to Fort, well, he was living off base, but Fort Campbell, I believe is where he was out in Tennessee. And, um, I I woke up just in time to enjoy that game. And I was screaming like a maniac. That was the first time the Niners were in the postseason and God knows how many years. And so that stadium, it was so electric, right? I can only imagine what it was like to be there for the Dwight Clark catch. You know, like I, I watch it with the horrible audio and you could still see and feel how electric that environment was. Right. So I'm kind of torn between those two. But seeing the tight end seal the deal for the team to get them into the, you know, to get them to the next game and all that stuff. I mean, that that had to be a very, like, phenomenal experience. So I'm going to tie those two together, the catch one or catch three, I think, or would have been like the really, really big ones for me, because those moments still stand out in my mind today. Damn, that's a good one. That that is the the catch three came to my mind. Um, Matt, do you want to go or do you want me to go? Um, so I have two. Um, I know we all want to do like 49ers related stuff, so I'll do like my 49ers one real quick, and then I'll do one that I think is actually, you know, one that I I, I want to see just because it's been talked about so much, but I don't think that a lot of people have have seen it. Um, my 49ers related one is the drive Super Bowl 23 Montana 92 yards uh, to John Taylor at the end for the touchdown to win the Super Bowl infamously goes into the huddle and says oh hey look guys isn't that John Candy you know what I'm saying like just to just to get things rolling I think that would have been a phenomenal one um, in a day and age where great quarterback play was fewer and farther between there was just an article that came out the other day where it's like, uh, you know, fun fact, hate me if you want to or whatever, uh, the Dallas Cowboys would have won more Super Bowls if Kirk Cousins with their quarterback in the 90s. Like, I saw that shit, and I was like, it's kind of ridiculous to compare that, but it's probably true because quarterback play is just so much more refined than it was. Um, if you look at Troy Aikman's stats, they were not good, and he's a Hall of Famer. Um, 
there were countless games where Montana had like three picks. Like that's just the nature of the beast. But that drive encompassed a lot of what Joe Montana's career was about being clutch, Joe cool, all that stuff. So for the 49ers aspect of it, um, I, I think that that's a good one. Overall, as you all know, I'm a huge baseball fan. Um, if, if I move to the side or duck down, tons of bobbleheads and baseballs sitting right there, just all signed and, and all that good stuff. Um, I would love, it's one of the most legendary moments in baseball history, Babe Ruth calling a shot. I would love to be there to see that. Babe Ruth pointing to the, pointing to the stands with his bat, standing in the batter's box, and then ripping a home run over the fence where he just pointed. It's the stuff of legends. I don't know that there's any video of it. I certainly haven't seen it. It's a, a secondhand tale. It's almost like Paul Bunyan or something like that, right? It's like almost a folklore type of, of story. It's the embellished story that your Uncle John tells at, at Thanksgiving about how him and his boys used to be like the best football players in the nation or whatever, right? It's one of those, and, and it's arguably one of the top three most legendary stories in baseball history. Um, so I, I would love to be there for that. So so those are mine. There's some rumors around that. Um, one, whether or not it happened, but for the people that say it did happen, right? It was, uh, is it, was this something to do with him pointing to someone also? I thought like there was like rumor, like some people say he called it and other people were saying he was like pointing to like a family member or something like that, right? Um, I think there is something to that, but I also know that another Babe Ruth story is that he promised the kid he would hit a home run in a game and then he did. So there's all that. There's so much. There's so much like Jack and the Beanstalk, Paul Bunyan, um, John Henry type dude. That's a deep cut, by the way. A lot of people don't know the story of John Henry. I love that that little fable. Do you know about John Henry? Yeah, dude. A lot of people don't know about these young kids. Don't know about John Henry, and I love that story, man. John Henry was a motherfucker. Phenomenal story, yeah. Phenomenal story about man versus machine. It, it's like it's a great, yeah. It's a great story, man. And, uh, you know, Casey at the bat, all these different fables that we all hear about. Uh, he seems to, Babe Ruth seems to be at the forefront of those. And it's because TV wasn't around. And, you know, a lot of times, it, you know, in darkness, legends grow, you know, vampires, monsters, whatever. And Babe Ruth was a monster of, of baseball. Now, he didn't play against anybody in the Negro Leagues, but that's a different story. And Satchel Paige and Bob Gibson and all those guys were, were motherfuckers and they were super good at what they do. That being said, those are mine, too. All right, all right. You guys mentioned some that were on my list, of course, that 49ers-Saints game where the catch three is from came to my mind initially. But just from, I think, my own experience and Clarzard's 49 said it here, the pick at the stick, just the final send-off of Candlestick Park Getting the 49ers into the playoffs, if I remember correctly, winning that game against the Falcons. My dad was born in 1953. Bowman was always his player. And I remember watching that game with my dad and thinking, shit, you know, there goes the season. There goes the game. We just lost this. The Falcons are driving all the way down. And I know it didn't lead to a Super Bowl win or anything, but just knowing that that was the last game ever at Candlestick Park. And that's how it ended, like a walk-off win with Navarro Bowman, you know, bouncing, bouncing, catching it, and then taking it all the way back. I could just imagine what the energy was like there. So I, I got to go with the pick at the stick. What's up, Mike? You look you look confused. Awesome. I'm just trying oh, to figure way. out if that was a playoff game. I know we played the 
No, that was that was a regular season game yeah. against the Falcons. Okay, it was, but it was the last game at Candlestick. Yeah, yeah. so we beat the Falcons in the playoffs um, in 2012, and we were down like I think by like 14 points or something at halftime. But that was in Atlanta. Yeah, and that was a Colin Kaepernick led Colin Kaepernick team. Brought brought yeah, yeah, yeah. Back. Yep. Um, honorable mention to the 1994 NFC Championship game where we stomped the Cowboys up and down the field because fuck the Cowboys. <laughs> of course. Um, so. All right, so I know I know we're kind of running short on time, but Zach, dude, I kind of want you to pull a card that's not sports related because I feel like okay. that would give more personality. To be Let's honest, do it. Uh, while I'm pulling it, you guys want to answer this question from our guy Ash? Uh, can't afford him. Would cost too much draft capital. I don't know if the Vikings are seriously shopping him, but he would be good here. Yeah, Daniel Hunter, very good. Yep, I agree with what you were saying. And guys, by the way, if you're going to grow up and be an athlete and you want Matt to remember you, just point before you make a big play. Whether you're pointing to John Candy or pointing up in the stands, Matt will remember you forever. Just, you point. just play baseball. I remember so much baseball. Actually, yeah, I remember a lot of NFL stuff too, but like baseball, I'm like super into. So if you play baseball, I'll know. Okay, I have one. Let me make myself the main one here. Oh, shit, I just dropped it. Yeah, I was telling Zach in the private chat, I kind of like this because we don't get one of us doesn't get obscured by the comments. Okay, I got I like, it. I like this view. All right. When you look back on the life you have lived to this point, what in particular amazes you the most? We're getting deep. Who wants to start this one? I, I'll, I'll go first again. Okay. Guys, I, I'm not going to lie to you. Like, I'm surprised I'm still here. Uh, I had so many complications as a child based off what my mother told me. I was born with hydrocephalus. Um, my thyroid glands didn't separate. I had to have a surgery, but they couldn't do it until I was a year old. So I walked around with like this big lump in my throat, drooling all over the place. Um, just like, you know, uh, sickle cell or not, not sickle cell, jaundice. I'm sorry. It was jaundice. Uh, just so much crap, like just wrong with me as a kid. And then you grow up and you realize all the dumb stuff you've done like growing up that you probably shouldn't have survived, shouldn't have made it. I've been held at gunpoint before I've been jumped. I've been robbed. Like it's, it's been a lot of BS that's happened in my life. Like just the fact that I'm here, I got a family, they're all healthy. You know, it, we're, you know, everything that you have to complain about when you start to reflect on it, it's like, man, like, dude, you're still here. And I, I, I'm most amazed by that. If I'm being completely honest with you guys. I like that. Um, Matt, you want to go? You want me to go? So not to critique Mike, but it's hydrocephalus, not hydrocephalus, which is completely different. And sorry. <laughs> it was like um, I said, it was a secondhand story. I don't know. No, hey, man, listen, I, I'm kind of in the same boat. Um, I don't mind getting deep. I don't give a shit what people know about me. Um, but, dude, I was adopted. I was abused as a kid. You know, I, I grew up and I rebelled against the world and I kind of, you know, loafed around and fucked off. And, yeah, I joined the military and that was cool. But, like, you know, I wasn't getting my shit together. And, dude, it got it got to a point where I was essentially homeless at one point. But then to where I am now, you know, I, you know, I drive a Tesla and I got a six figure job and I'm doing my thing. And it's just a it's a testament to persevering. And, you know, a lot of people don't, don't know that about me, but 
you know, it's one of those things that I'm proud of, of, of overcoming. And, you know, I got a baby on the way. I got a wife. I've been, I've been with her for 11 years. Like it's amazing to know where I came from in a, you know, in a family that I don't even talk to anymore, really that they gave up on me. But the point is, it doesn't matter if people give up on you as long as you don't give up on yourself. You know, you can overcome and, and it's hard a lot of days, but it makes all this stuff worth it. So sorry if that's a downer for a lot of people, but hopefully, you know, everybody can be, you know, can kind of take what they can from it. And if you're in a dark spot, just know that there are people out there who will appreciate the hustle, appreciate the effort. And as long as you keep crawling your way forward, you will make progress. As long as you don't give up, that, that's the biggest thing that I can say. Amen to that. Um, for me, yeah, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with being serious here. I've been, I've been fairly open with this, I, I'd like to think. I know I've been open with you guys, but in my early 20s, I struggled with a pretty severe opiate addiction. And it, it took, you know, the early part of my 20s for sure. But I think it kind of molded me into who I am today. And, you know, I, I think it really taught me what I am and who I am and how to deal with things, how not to deal with things. Um, and I think you learn a lot about yourself when you go through those types of things. And you also learn a lot about other people. And yes, a lot of people are shitty, but there are also, in my opinion, equal amount of good people who genuinely want I would to say help more. you. Yes, thank you. Yes. I'm an optimist. I love to believe that more people than not are good people. If not more, yes. So are, are genuinely good people who want the best for you and are willing to help you. Um, now, as an addict, you definitely might exploit that a little bit, but that's that's neither here nor there. I think that just having struggled with that so early on in my life and being able to overcome that and, and you know, with 100% thanks to my friends and family, it taught me a lot about just who I am. And, and, and look, I am so glad that I went through it when I did go through it because let's just be 100% real here. The shit out there right now is fentanyl. And there's a huge likelihood that I might not be here today if I was going through it now compared to going to it back then. So just, just crazy stuff, man. But yeah. Yep. Kudos that, to you, man. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, there, fentanyl's no joke, man. No. I know someone in, that's close to like my family, their, their son died of fentanyl overdose. And I've seen people in the hospital with fentanyl overdose. We had a patient who was like nonverbal for like a month. And fortunately she was able to come out of it, but you know, it's no joke, but um, Zach real quick, just because I think it's important that we celebrate, you know, success and overcoming demons and stuff like that. Like how, how long have you been clean, dude? I've uh, been clean going on eight years now. Hell yeah. That's fucking awesome. Thank you guys. Like, shout outs to you, man. Appreciate, Appreciate it. I, it. It's weird for me because I've never, I've never had an addict. I'm not, I don't have an addictive personality. I don't understand the nature of addiction. Like when something there, you know, I'll, I'll be like, Oh yeah, I'm going to a lot of baseball games. And I'm just like, Oh, I'm gonna drink a six pack of beer or whatever, <laughs> whatever. Right. But then I'll just be like, eh, I don't feel like drinking. I won't drink for six months. It's just, that's all. I used to smoke cigarettes because everybody in the military smoked cigarettes. When I was done with it, I was just like, eh, I don't want to do this anymore. And I stopped. So I don't understand on a personal level, on a professional level, I see the hold that that stuff can have on somebody. And I just applaud your strength. And it, it's something that takes a lot of effort. And I think that's, that's fucking awesome, dude. Appreciate it, man. Th thank you yeah. both. I, you know, 
I've been very open with you guys, so I really do appreciate yeah. all the help you guys have given yeah. me over the years. And it's good to get it off our chest, but let's not. All right, Zach, shit. We got we got too serious on this one. Now we got now we got to make a cookie, right? Like we got to have the shit sandwich, right? We got to have positive, negative, positive. So you got to go and find another card that that's more positive. Okay, uh, real quick though, yeah. I want to read these out because they're sharing. Yeah, Cards absolutely are... read these out because our our fans and, and and the people in the chat are fans. That sounds such like a dickhead thing. I'm sorry for that, guys. But the people that watch the show, like you guys, have gone through a lot too, and and I just want you to know that. Even if I don't know you in person, like you guys, you guys are important to me. And anybody that has any type of issue going on, like we're here for you for sure. Clarzard, anxiety for me, continue to battle it, constant worrying and stressing for no reason. We all face different challenges, but sports is one of the things that keep me going. Uh, Black Orchard 772, being homeless six years and now a homeowner for almost three years. You're all awesome with amazing Damn, life. Victories. That is gold. Jeez, congratulations. Sure. That's amazing. I'll tell you, man, like there is no there's no lower lower of lows than being like, where the fuck am I gonna sleep tonight? You know what I mean? Like that that's tough, man. I was essentially like, you know, to go back to go back to my situation, I was essentially like squatting in a house at one point where like it was you know and, and fortunately you know people found me and wanted to like help me out and stuff but like dude it was dicey there for a second so Damn. okay i have one that i think is good all right if you could become fully enlightened instantly on any one subject what subject would you choose oh this one's easy quantum physics <laughs> i'm inventing warp drive and we're exploring the stars baby <laughs> Like, let's go. Like, I, I feel like there's a finite amount of time. This planet is going to, you know, be immolated by by the universal constant of, of entropy. And the sun will go nova and expand and the earth will be no more. But I feel like there's so much out there, so much beauty to see. And to think that we're alone in the universe is pretty ignorant. Um, Fermi paradox notwithstanding, you know, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Fermi paradox. My Okay, so Mike, essentially the Fermi paradox is if if there's so the drake equation has speculated that there's x amount of stars and even at a low percentage there should be x amount of intelligent civilizations out there that are capable of whatever we're capable of right and the fermi paradox says well if there's all of these civilizations out there then why haven't we been contacted by any of them and i think the fermi paradox is one of ignorance of like First of all, why do you think that we're so important that they would necessarily want to contact us? And second, if they can get here, why do we think that we would be even be able to detect them? Right? Like, does an ant is an ant aware of a human walking down the street? No, right? Because it's so much more we're so much more advanced than an ant is. But at the same time, it, you know, we we think we have all these answers about the universe and this and this and that. There's so much that we don't know. And if I could be completely enlightened on how quantum physics in the universe works i feel like i feel like that would open up an entirely new aspect to humanity so like it, yeah it would be cool to be like you know I, I i'm completely enlightened on how to hit a fastball and i can go out there and i can hit a fastball anytime i want to and i can be the best major league but for me i would choose to advance humanity because i think we're we're wrapping ourselves in a cocoon right now, and and I would love to nudge us in the direction of being a better butterfly than what we are currently trending towards. So if I could do that, man, that would be sweet. I mean, yeah. 
I don't know if you guys are into science fiction at all, but the advancement of, of humanity and, and getting out into the stars, I mean, just think about being able to look out your window and just seeing the rings of Saturn out there just like willy-nilly as, as like a viewpoint. I think that would be something that's pretty awesome. Awesome. Mike, do you want to go? You want me to go? I don't want to give a dumbass answer now after that. You go. I don't <laughs> Um, let's see if I can learn any one thing, by the way, that quantum physics thing was fueled by a lot of weed and a lot of YouTube. I used to get YouTube rabbit holes and be like, Oh shit, man, (laughs) nothing will make you feel smaller than being hopped up on some fucking purple kush and, and watching YouTube videos about how you're on a rock flying through space. And it's like a speck of dust compared to every other thing in the universe. So I used to, we used to leave yeah. on YouTube playing for the dogs. And we'd go to work and we would find the longest videos. And there are 20 hour videos of Terrence McKenna talking. I don't know if you guys know who Terrence McKenna is. Of course. Yeah. Yep, and Terrence McKenna. Hell yeah. It's a joke that we're going to come back and our dogs are going to be like, mm, and like all enlightened and, you know, floating above the bed. And, um, all right. If I could learn any one subject and become fully enlightened like that, it would have to be because I want to. I want to say like languages. If I could learn every single language, dude, on the world, yes, like that, that would be amazing. You could go yes. anywhere, communicate with anybody, and like fluent. Ooh, I'm gonna fluent. post. There's a YouTube guy. Um, I'm gonna post him in the chat for you to follow. He's. Um, there are actually people like that. They're called polyglots. They can learn new languages super easily. I'll show you. Like he does stuff like going into, like he lives in New York City. He goes into like Chinese restaurants and he'll speak Cantonese and Mandarin to the people. And like people, and like he's just like kind of dorky white dude. And he's just like, you know, there's there's him going to like the Congo and speaking the native language to the people there. And it's just him doing a little bit of research and his mind just picks it up and makes connections. Syntax might not always be there, but it's super fucking cool. So I'll put it in the chat for you guys. Yeah, dude. Seriously, that's that's awesome. All right. Mike, your turn. Uh, I my answer is gonna be really, really corny and cheesy, but history. Uh I that's have, awesome. I've always been fascinated with history, but not just like American history, like history of the world. Yes. You know, and, and when I hear people talk about all the different stuff that happens in other places, I'm completely fascinated. Like I can listen to people just talk about uh, stuff that actually happened, you know, d- dispelling certain myths and things like that. And uh, th- but that I mean, I don't know how that would help me at all. It, it's kind of a selfish answer. You know, Matt wants to help humanity and, and <laughs> Zach wants to interact with them. I want to hear about what happened to those people <laughs> what happened to this civilization why can't we go to antarctica you know like little stuff like like that's the kind of stuff that i i like am always intrigued by so so you want to know everything about like the past and like what's happened with humanity to get us to this point yeah kind of like thing? I, I i want to know where we came from i i, I, I think so where- you might not you might not think that that's a smart one but i actually think that that's one of the i mean that's exceptionally smart because we need to know where we've come from to know where we're going. And I think that that having that in life and one of the things that I hate about today's society is that we seem to be bleaching some of our blemishes from from the past. And, and that makes us doomed to repeat them. And it makes us less connected with each other. And I feel like it's vital that we understand that for as and it's funny because the question says enlightened. Um, I, I think that 
for as, as enlightened as we are, we're, we're just uh, slightly more advanced apes. We're primates, man. Like we don't have all the answers and to be able to look to our past to inform our future. Dude, that's like a really good one. Cause I love history and I love all that stuff. I mean, I would love to be like, where did the legend of Atlantis come from? Wh what happened to the library in Alexandria? I was like, just going to say that. that. Yes. All that, that stuff. It keeps me up at night. Yeah, that's all cool stuff. Mike, I think that's a, an exceptional an answer. I love that answer. Yeah. Uh, we got another super chat from our guy, Sean. Thank you. So glad we are tackling the issues of life tonight. When I meet our creator, first thing I'm going, first thing I'm asking is, why are these two friggin' hairs on my earlobe? Why are these other whiskers going rogue? Why? <laughs> yeah. Well, I got a question for you guys. Why is life finite? What is the purpose of life being being so short and 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 you know in, like not why do we not last forever? Well, that's that's kind of part of what I was I, like. I think there there's an answer in that in knowing the history, right? Like, I think life. This is going to sound crazy. Is the shortest thing of what we'll ever do. Does that? I, see, I, I'm not a shrooms guy. I don't I don't smoke, but I think like this is the temporary part. No, it's all transitory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, I mean, there's there's multiple things in life. Like I said, cocoon butterfly, um, you know, uh, star supernova. Everything in the universe seems to have one state and then you transition. Solid, liquid, gas. Three things that can be all kind of from the same yes. element or whatever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. what, well, interesting. I, I'm not the most religious person, but I do think that I am somewhat religious and I do think that there is such thing as a soul. And I do think that when we die, our soul goes somewhere. And I think we come to earth with a plan to learn something. And once that's done, whether you've learned it or not, you either come back or, you know, I'm not really sure how that works out. That's a whole reincarnation thing, but I do think we're here to learn and elevate our spiritual plane. I saw right. someone say, come on, Mike, the Bible tells us where we came from. Right. And <clears throat> I don't know if that person was trying to be funny or not. However, I do think that there is there is um, more truth in, in the Bible and other religious books than we actually know because they're lost through translation. And that comes sure, yeah, back yeah. to wanting to know the history, exactly. right? Like the original, yeah, the original script. Here's the other thing, though. If you're enlightened on history, you would know what all is supposed to be determined as as literal and what's supposed to be a metaphor what's supposed to be right, a parable a, yeah. a lesson a parable yeah exactly a story that would be something that you know is 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 good and, and i would like to think here's my thing like i'm an agnostic person i'm not religious but i just don't know right like i'm not arrogant enough to say like you know the one thing that bothers me about atheists is they just think they know everything right um and I love people that have faith, but then that faith can can close their mind to new possibilities. As an agnostic person, I'm open to everything. So like anything is on the table for me. And you know, I always have this like fun little idea of like what if what if we come back and we're all reincarnated as a slightly better version of the person we were before? And that would be something cool. But then you think about it like, dude, like all the serial killers nowadays, it's like, dude, how fucked up were you in the last life that you're just now a serial killer? Like, were you Genghis Khan before? Like, what happened? But I, I think it would be I think it would be really interesting to to kind of explore yeah. the past. And, and that kind of ties into I mean, shit, dude, if we could actually do that and you could be 
versed on the past and zach you can speak any language at the drop of a hat and i'm discovering quantum physics so we can go to alien worlds and shit us three would lead humanity into a new <laughs> zach would be able to talk to the aliens i'd be able to figure out the technology and mike would be able to relay hey this is where we came from y'all got to watch out for this and then we'd all be fucking friends dude we would we would, we would uh take over the universe Usher, human. It, it'd be like uh, for all you video game dorks out there, it'd be like Mass Effect, man. Humanity coming over to take over the galaxy. And with that said, these are the conversations you get on patreoncom mv 9 <laughs> When we do them, when we do them. Yep. <laughs> all right. Thank you, everybody, for sticking with us. I know the show took a, a more serious turn there, but. That's all right. These conversations are important, and I love having them. I love being able to just show you guys who we are outside of football. Yeah. So if you guys are interested in that, definitely let us know. We, we love having these conversations. And by the way, uh, my Twitter handle is below. I have no problem hopping on the nothing but Niner – or not the nothing but Niner. Sorry, Mike. Um, that just came up. But on the 49ers Hive site, I have no problem hopping on Twitch and streaming my f- sweaty-ass grind sessions on Street Fighter Six. And we can talk about whatever while I'm doing it. So let me know if that's something you guys would like. I don't have a problem. We can talk about whatever. We can talk about 49ers. We can talk about the game. We can talk about other games. It doesn't matter to me. Um, I'm planning to do uh, Madden 24 on the channel. So we'll, we'll go from there. But, um, yeah, let me know if that's something you guys would like because I'd love to get to know you guys outside of just just 49ers stuff. Let, let me know when you're doing it. I want to sit in. Yeah, for sure. All right, guys, with that all said, I think we're going to wrap this show up. All of our handles are on the screen. Follow us. Follow RGS Pod on Twitter. Uh, we are approaching 1,000 followers. we got to do some sort of giveaway once we reach that. Subscribe. Hit like button here on YouTube. Uh, Mike, I'm sure all the folks know where to find you, but those that are not watching through other bananas, let them know where to find you. Yeah, no, guys, my Twitter handle is at the bottom of the screen right here, uh, Mike Andrews 83 Just follow me over there. Um, and you guys will catch me here with the guys on 49ers Hive. Uh, make sure you guys are subscribing. If you are watching on the Nothing But Niners channel, I forgot to turn this episode off at the 30-minute mark. I said I was going to start doing that, to, you know, get people to come over here, but I, I'm happy that we are here. Guys, make sure you subscribe here. If you aren't already, support my guys, Zach and Matt. They do a good job over here, as you guys can see. Appreciate Thank you, it. sir. All right, Matt. All right. Thank you guys for joining us here tonight. Great show. I actually like the uh the little card thing, man. Like we usually do during the season we do yes or no, which I really like, but in lieu of having games and and predictions and stuff, this was pretty legit. So let us know if you want more of that stuff. We're happy to do it. Um thanks again Mike for being here. We appreciate every time you're here. Love talking football with you. Zach, you're the man as always. Thank you everybody in the audience for joining us. We love you. We respect you. Anybody who's been through struggles, as as we all talked about here, we're with you. Um, thank you for joining us tonight. And uh, as always, until next time, go Niners.